I don't think anything's changing. Check, check. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Sometimes the knobs you're turning aren't connected to anything. That should be a t-shirt. Was it AMPM? Do you still say that sometimes? Say what? AMPM, why separate knob? I know why separate knob from. Well, just because remember it. he says, hey, I, yeah, my It's a Seinfeld thing, right? Oh, absolutely. It's when John Jean Paul, the marathon, the New York marathon guy, is staying with him. He says, mm -hmm. last, last time um, the alarm didn't go off. Mm -hmm. And he goes, mm hmm, mm hmm. He says, what was it? The AMPM or separate knob? <laughs> Separate knob. Why separate knob? Why separate knob? <laughs> Every time I hear, actually, I have a story apropos of my, what do you call my head, the gashapon of my brain, the ping pong? It's a, it's a big machine. It's like a clear sphere that has a rotating handle. What's it called, John? I don't know what it's called, but that's what it is. You'd say, like, when you pick a bingo number, right? Lot, the lottery thing, or the lottery ball, you press the button and, go, and then the lottery one comes out. You know what I mean? That's my favorite Shirley Jackson story. I, um, that's Jermaine. Hello, everybody. Um, how you doing, John? I'm doing okay. I'm trying to find a, a link to the the lottery ball machine thing. I watched. Um, you ever watch Folding Ideas? You ever watch that guy? You've seen him, right? The Canadian uh, guy. Tell me who he is. The channel name sounds familiar. Uh, he's, he's best known probably for he has one recently was very good called This Is Financial Advice. Oh yes, no, I yes, it's way too long. The videos are just like horrendously long. Okay, all right, never mind then. Okay. <laughs> no, they are he, so he had long. One about, he had one about going to a con, which I think it's one of those video game cons. Mm -hmm. And it's some company that makes a whole bunch of video games. And he was talking about, anybody else, I would think this was just like, you know, I made a video because I'm mad about something that happened to me. But it was about mm -hmm. like the, the terrible line management at this. Mm -hmm. It includes a thing where you go and you wait in line to buy well, my people would call it chit. They call it a pin. But you buy basically the equivalent of tickets to then go wait in another line to then go to, I believe it's called a gashapon. I only know that because of the Adventure Zone. But it's one of those Japanese vending machines where you get a big bubble and sometimes it has really cool stuff in it. Mm -hmm. like, but nicer than the ones at like barbershops and gas stations, right? Yeah. But people could go, they wait in this line for up to five hours just to buy how many turns you want. And then there's a different line to go wait in line, which on the face of it makes sense. There's a different to go. But some people have one gashapon turn and some people bought 50. Mm -hmm. This The line is so disproportionate. But then, but it's all this stuff. The reason I like this video is it's so good at doing all this stuff that sounds like it would work. Like having separate lines for these things and maybe limiting the number of people that can come in, et cetera. But then they had one. This is so smart. Hey, you shouldn't have to go to another area of the concourse or whatever to go watch this panel where, I don't know, Billy West does funny voices for an hour or whatever, right? So they have big screens. So you can sit there. It's like, it's like being in the airport. You get to like stand there and watch that. But you can, can you see where this is going? It didn't give anybody a reason to be anywhere except standing in that line for five hours. Mm -hmm. And they also like didn't do any of the stuff of like, you know, distribute the most popular things to different places, you know, have reasons for people to be different places at different times. And it just <laughs> sounds like it was hell, especially the first one and a half days there. It does not make me want to go to a video game con. I mean, I don't. Not sure they're all like that, and it really is the, it depends on what you decide to do. But yeah, that that oh, this is this is from the same channel that did the financial advice video, and what was the one he did before that? That he has one, we on, uh, about? he has one on NFTs that's very good. 
And then right. this is not financial advice. Uh, I did watch the whole thing, which is two hours long. I think that one was, I think it was on crypto. But it's, he's, you know, he's just kind of like, you know, comes, but he's not stretching it out. You know what mm. I mean? Mm. Mm. I just watched that three-parter on Netflix about this terrible thing that happened in uh, Sydney, Australia in 1979 called the Ghost Train Fire. And it's a, you know, like a fun house ride at this regional like fun fair. And it was good, but oh my God, did they ever drag it out into three one and a half hour episodes. Yeah. You can really feel it sometimes, especially with Netflix, where you're like, ah, oh, you could have just, you could have just pared this down a little bit. You go to PAX, right? In Boston? That's one you've been to? I used to. I went to PAX for many, many years. I think I kind of burned out on it. Actually, well, COVID kind of yeah, sure. turned into it and I never went back, really. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm glad people are happy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, Reconcilable Differences. I do have the uh, internet for this episode, this fortnightly episode of our program. Um, I wonder if I could be bothered to find out which episode number. This is, uh, oh, 222. Yeah, it's right there, right there in the document that you can now see because you have internet. Yeah, I can. Yeah. And so uh, we got a, a couple bits of uh, what I like to call front matter to get us rolling. Um, start where you want, John. I'll, I got your back. I thought you had a, a, you said you wanted to pitch this. Oh, yeah, I had a really lame bit. I'll take this part. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, this is one of our episodes that we do uh, once a month where it's at least scheduled once a month. And I think we've been pretty good about it or we have extra stuff. Which means that for the folks who support uh, this program and our network, which is for some reason called Relay FM, you um, you become a member there. You get all kinds of free stuff. You get wallpaper, and but you also get extra stuff. I don't say content, uh, and one of those bits of content <laughs> that you get everything is content. You know, Nora Ephron said that, and um, I have the quote in my quotes file. It's on GitHub. Um, but uh, and so this month, uh, this month's uh, visit, we're going to uh, talk about. What, John? What are we talking about in the after show? If you recall last episode, I gave Merlin an assignment. I even asked him how, if he had done anything special to ensure that he uh, accomplishes before the you that gave, I set out quote, before. First of all, we're not even getting to the point. You have, before you quote, gave me the assignment, which, by the way, was also technically an assignment for all of the humans in my house, which I did not no, ask if for. You, if you listened carefully to the instructions. I, I said, didn't. Give it, give it a try, and if they, if they decline, then oh well. I'm not going to so. blow my shot an optional it was optional what was the challenge uh, john uh it wasn't a challenge it was okay. an assignment that i gave merlin it was to actually finish watching in its entirety uh the 1997 movie contact now i don't want merlin to spoil it for anybody because i don't actually know if he did that uh we're all gonna find out together in the member special after show which will be after the regular program you're such a good dad you're, you're so mad about non-existent things you're, you're so mad about stuff that you made up in your head. I know, one of us sounds mad here, and it's not me. Well, that's because you're not on the other end of it, dude. Bring your kids on. I heard that. Bring your kids on this show. Bring, 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 bring your kids. You know, bring your daughter in particular. I'd like to really, I'd like to get some insight from her. And, and you know, I was, I was thinking, phones. speaking of kids on shows, I was thinking about that because I was watching a YouTube video where, where people were taste testing jarred uh, tomato sauce. This is what I do with my life. No, um, all right. And there was a kid on the show. It was like a dad, and he had like his, I don't know, like his eight-year-old kid or something mm -hmm. uh or maybe nine or ten i don't know but i'm like i would just never do that like no, how can how can you today maybe that was excusable many years ago before you knew but like now that you know like don't put your kid on youtube when they're that age like he's not yet like oh, just like that's so was be... he like he's like i'm guessing young elementary school age 
Maybe he was like a sixth grader, but it's just this like, is Lyle, and he's a picky eater. He's that not going to want that to exist. No, once before I get turns. to that, though, I'm just because here's the thing, and I, I this is a question a friend of the show, Kathy Campbell, asked on a recent uh, visit with me for the Spotlight program. Oh my God, John, you just played right into my hands. Okay, uh, all right. This is their, sorry, I already got us on a tangent. We were no, talking about the no, that's cycle. what we're here for. Yes. That's what we're here for. You never know when somebody's going to animate this. <laughs> but um, talking about like God, how do you decide what? Not not just simply like what do you put on Mastodon, but like what the world you sort of tell the world about your life and your family. I think in in general, and I mean, of course, it just everybody is so different. And I've got some very funny stuff. I'm I'm actually I'm both glad that I videotaped with my kid. And I think it's funny. I'm glad I put it up. Where we do the, where I make my kid try and do uh, my my pre my pre verbal child try and do who's on first with me. I thought that was funny. Yeah, like babies and toddlers, I think is okay because most people will be able to disconnect from that. But if yeah. anything's happening when you're like a sixth or seventh grader, when you're an eighth or ninth grader, and your friends find that it's bad news. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, here's and here's the distinction, which is going to sound extremely subtle, which is fine. But it's like if you are, if that's kind of your kind of your grind or your side hustle is like having a channel with stuff and you like do that a lot and not just a cameo i don't know i, I mean you can't make your kids a part of that because it's like it's not voluntary like they don't know they didn't decide they wanted to have a youtube channel they just happen to have a parent that has a youtube channel especially if your channel is not about parenting or family which is a whole other kettle of fish but this was a channel about like you know cooking and stuff and it's like oh bring my kid on and he's gonna do the taste test too no don't like that's that feels like not a wise choice for the family or the child yeah. I watched another thing on Netflix. I had, you know, I think on Saturday or Sunday, I had a whole day of like sad things about children and sad things about people. And it was another one of those, like, is it a cult shows, which is about mm-hmm. this, this very, ineff- this guy made Keith, Keith, made Keith Raniere look like Charles Manson. And, and like, this guy was bad. He was not, he was not interesting. He was not charismatic. And he's this guy, he's got this whole, it's called, it's called uh, twin flame. We're supposed to find this person who's your quote, twin flame. And you know what? I'm not going to go on about this. People should do what they think is right. But like, I do think, I think at the point when you get up to the edge, just for me personally, this is, this has served me well in email, text, communications, all kinds of stuff for a long time, which is if I'm right up to the edge of, I'm not sure whether I should send this, I don't. Do you have anything like that where you go, like, not just about kid stuff, but are there times where you go like, I got a little bit of a squick about this. Something tells me I shouldn't do this or not do this now. You should get that feeling before you post excerpts from my uh, iMessage chats with you. I want you to have that feeling. Every time you take a screenshot of a chat with me and you think about posting it somewhere, get that squick feeling. And don't do it. Well, I thought I'd gotten real good about it, but... (laughs) Real good about it with me not doing it. Yeah, but like, what if it's just the things I say? (laughs) It's never just the things you said. Yeah, you only said one thing. You You only said said one. All right, as I sit here right now, that is a good note. I take your note. I will stop doing that at all. Unless no, I've asked you first. You won't. You'll forget about it. But anyway. Why do you say we're, that? We're getting, we're getting why off so, topic. Why are you so hurtful with me when I'm vulnerable with you? Does, <laughs> that make you, does it make you feel strong? Is that what it is? Off topic. The You're topic not, is actually we're exactly on topic. The entire show, if you go and read the yes, website. Yes. Mm-hmm. My goodness, you're so hurtful sometimes. I can never tell whether you're having a, a bad day or a very bad day. <laughs> but I do feel like whatever it is, it, it definitely gets taken out on me dad mm-hmm. thank you daddy and so here's the thing to know is that um this is, this is the thing that um 
so our network is called Relay FM for some reason. And uh, you can go to uh, relay.fm slash rd slash join, and that will let you join up. You know, uh, you know, might not. I'd say get stuff like this. You, you get the bonus stuff, not this, but that. Like the, the, the stuff, but, but, but John, we wanted to share something with our listeners, which is that they're doing something again this year, which is a kind of novel idea, which is that you can, if you're already a fan or dare I say a super fan, you can buy a relay membership for, for someone as a gift. You can do that, but yeah, you, that's not the headlining feature that we're, uh, we're advertising right now. Oh, oh yes. Oh, it's a different one. Yes. The oh, headlining geez. feature is this. Uh, Relay is having a sale, or should we just go with it? No, we're going because that's true. What you said is true. Yeah, well, just because it's true doesn't mean it's appropriate. There's more. There's well, it makes sense. It's it's the holiday season. It's approaching the holiday season. People want to give you gifts. If you have a nerdy person in your life who isn't currently a Relay member and they like nerdy podcasts, especially this one, yes, you can buy them a gift membership. We will put a link in the show notes for you to do that. But also, but also from November twentieth to December fifteenth of this year, which is a very specific amount of time. Yeah, there is a 20% off sale on annual membership. If you want to buy an annual Relay FM membership between November 20th and December 15th, And they're not that costly to begin with, John. It's not. Yes, and 20% is a lot off. That's a lot of percent. And they have a dedicated website for, for both of these things. It's called giverelay.com. G-I-V-E-R-E-L-A-Y dot C-O-M. GiveRelay.com. That will you'll find all the stuff there. By the time you're listening to this, if you listen to it when it, when it's released, the sale should be on. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you said about our member specials, we do it every other episode, also known as every alternate episode. And you say we try to be pretty good about it. I'm pretty sure we've never missed a member special. We do member content every other episode, like uh-huh. clockwork. Clockwork. We have never That's missed true. one since we okay. started doing them. Okay. Um, one unusual. Um kind of side effect of your literally being John Syracuse is you've never had to do a show with John Syracuse. And when you do a show with John Syracuse, all what of you, my shows are with John Syracuse. Think about that. That's a really good point. That's what I say to people sometimes. I, I'll say something like, you think you're sick of hearing me? Imagine how I yeah, feel. You're, you're not, I'm not stuck in here <laughs> with you. You're stuck in here with me. I must investigate further. Um, but uh, I just, I try not to say, uh, I'm trying to, in general, it's an omnibus project, is, is to not say things that are either too hyperbolic or too, 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 too hyperbolic, or, or are things that, that I, I couldn't actually approve. I'm stating it as a fact. And so like, you know, there's that thing where it's like, ah, oh, we got to get the episode out because today's the last day of the month, you know, that kind of thing. Like there, maybe there was a, maybe there was once a February where it just happened to be off a little bit. I know we still get four Thursdays or whatever. Uh-huh. That's uh, what does that sound like? What is that title? Four Thursdays? Is that a bacon like race? A, sounds uh, like a bacon race song. Hmm. I was, I was thinking more of like a, Oh, wait, those, is it uh, so touchy, Tuesdays touchy with Maury? Touchy-feely self-help books? Tuesdays, Tuesdays, Tuesdays with Maury. Mm-hmm. Or like, or like the, uh, the People You Meet in Heaven. Do you remember that? Yeah. Was that, remember those books? The section... Seven Habits of Highly Effective People You Meet in Heaven. Yeah, I know about it. Okay. Or, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul. You know, they, mm-hmm. they got Everything a lot of money. I need to know I learned from this, the, the seven, habits, seven Habits of Super Effective People. I don't know. I can't. I'm, I'm you're doing, you're actually doing actually pretty well. Let me see if I... Oh, I can't find out. I, I got a pretty good fives. Oh, uh, that's one of these. Oh no, is my site not up? I wonder. Oh, uh, huh. Meet. Let's do a random one here. Things I'd enjoy. Oh, here we go. Five terrible fake Mitch album books. That's the guy's name. Remember mm-hmm. Mitch album? A L B O M. I do not. But what mm-hmm. is one of his books? Did he do everything? I didn't do one. He did five. He called. It was, uh, so this is the guy who wrote uh, "My Tuesdays with Maury." 
I believe uh, it's I called. It. Uh, you got Mondays with whiskey. Uh, the five people you, <laughs> five people you meet in line at Arby's. Saturday with Maury's roommate. It's like, oh, you know, like Sal or Sid or something kind of Jewy. Wednesdays uh, when that one nurse with the rack washes Maury real slow like. <laughs> something, something inspirational person. Just call it whatever, but just definitely change. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Album. Mitch Album was the guy. And he had an elderly, he had an elderly friend that he would visit once a week. And he wrote a book about that. There you go. Everything I learned about Maury was in kindergarten. Do we cover all that? Yep. Do you want to take a look in your messages at this image I just dug up for you? Absolutely. I also I just want to say while we're here, uh, I, I'm, I just want to repeat that I'm very grateful to the folks who, who are already members of ours. It's easy for us on, on this particular side of the mic to speaker relationship to like keep going, oh, we're trying to address all the people who haven't given us money yet, which is a sensible way to do your ad spend, as John says. It's a, it's a big ask. But I just want to say, there's a lot of you out there who are just quietly, nicely, kindly, supportively uh, supporting the show with, with, your, with your money. And I just want to say I appreciate that. That's all. You sent me an image. Shall I double-click it? Is that like uh, you're using that in, in the business lingo Yeah, way, you want, you should we double-click into this? Do you want to drill down into it? Or are you just telling me you can't see the image until you click on it twice with your pointing device? Well, it's on a Mac. You know? Draft lottery. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, this so is the what best John, I could do. That should be a sphere, and it's not, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of a capsule shape. But you can see what's going on there. You see the balls. You know, right. you can visualize them bouncing around, right? Yeah, yeah. And, used time was it was. Uh, I feel like back in Florida, it would be like right before like Jeopardy, or mm-hmm. maybe right before prime time. Like where they like after Jeopardy daily numbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the gosh upon would uh, would spit out some pong balls. Yeah, and so, and so you can see you can see that you can recognize that there's some kind of air thing going on in there, and the balls are bouncing around like crazy. And then you can also see a zoomed in thing where they're showing the top of the device where the, where the, the grabber inset, is. Yeah, right. Because what you're going to see there is the balls are going to go thump. One of those one of those balls, you don't know which one, but one of those balls is going to thump, and it's going to appear right in the top. And that's why it's zoomed in there. And this is just to um, just to verify to confirm. Um, we, we would say that for the, for our purposes here, this is different than like a bingo cage or even like a full on, like better call Saul. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is a a scientific. You get a lot of those in the the same Google results, but I was specifically looking for this device. Scientific uh, state sponsored, like this really, this all needs to be right. I mean, for God's sakes, John, it's about the, um, sports (laughs) draft. Yeah, the NBA draft. They take it. You should sit. You should watch. Actually, the, watch the video. You can see how serious they are because of the people standing there with their hands folded and everything, right? But like, if you actually watch the video, when they when the person in the middle loads the device, yeah, he takes each one of those balls and he holds it up to the camera before inserting it into like the the insertion right. tube on the right, like just to make sure, like everything's on the app and up. Here's yeah, the ball. No, and putting <laughs> it in the tube. sleeve. <laughs> it's like a pen and teller. Like everything is clear in this apparatus. There's no way we could be tricking you because this is very serious. It is the NBA draft. It is. It's a huge deal. I mean, really, it's about a, State Farm. Uh, th- thank you, State Farm. Um, all the great shows. Yeah, you know, that's they're protecting our freedom. So, let's see. Was there another part to that? So you can do that. You can get them for somebody. You'll figure it out. Just go to that uh, that website if you're interested. Twenty percent off. Yeah. Go to forty percent off dot com. No, that you don't want to do that. That's got to be a porn site. Hmm. <laughs> GiveRelay dot com between November twentieth and December fifteenth. Or any time, if you just want to pay full price. You love that. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? Yeah. Well, paying, paying full price is not one of my favorites. No, no. No, but, but causing your fans to. Like, you know, what you like to warn, you warn people, you know, fair play, as they say. 
just so you know, we're doing this thing where you could save money, but it's even better if you want to spend more money. <laughs> I've done that. Saying, sometimes, sometimes people miss the dates, you know? You should have told me you were selling a t-shirt is what they say. That's right. That's what they do. That reminds me, we have to talk about our t-shirt idea. Hey, if y'all have any ideas for a t-shirt you'd like to see, um, email John. I think that was it for that. I covered, let's see, we covered the draft. Better Call Saul. That's a great scene. You watch Better Call Saul, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that episode? It's the one where he's calling bingo numbers and then he goes in to the, we kept hearing about the Chicago sunroof and then he goes into the story while he's calling the numbers. Remember, he goes into the story of the Chicago sunroof. Vaguely. I remember him up there calling the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great show. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs, my friends. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and you can sell anything you want. You know, your, your products, your service, even the content that you create. You can do it all on your site with Squarespace. Whatever it is you need, they got you covered all in one place. Uh, they have all these bullets that I can choose from. Um, and I tend to pick a lot of the same ones because they're the ones that blow my mind. That's, that's a fact about me. That's a me problem, not a Squarespace problem. And it's not really a problem. So why are you complaining? You know, you can sell your products on an online store. This is bananas to me. Whether you sell physical or digital products, I would love to sell physical products. I just don't know what it would be, you know, apart from things like, you know, uh, filament poop for my 3D printer. That's not a Squarespace problem either. They got the tools you need. You can start selling online. That's, 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 That's such a big deal. You know, and also, you know, when you say a store, well, anybody can like have stuff on shelves, but like, you know, as hard as is the money part, you know? So one thing that's kind of cool, your, your customers get flexible payment options. So consequently, you get flexible payment options too, if I might say. Uh, so, so you can make checkout seamless for your customers. So with simple but powerful payment tools, you can accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay. And you can offer your customers the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. Uh, and, you know, here's a dinger for you. You take advantage of their professionally designed website templates, Right. They get designs for every category and use case. Uh, you can customize your look, update your stuff. You can add features to fit your needs. Uh, it's all there. You can just go and say, like, I have thus and such kind of business. Now, I don't know what kind of business thus and such would be, but that's not a Squarespace problem. That's a me problem. I'm a big fan of Squarespace. I don't have a problem with them. I've been using them since, uh, as, the, as the Old Testament says, since Christ was a corporal. They were very prescient. Read a book. Uh, the Roderick on the Line podcast is hosted there. My personal sites are hosted there. And, and if anybody ever wants to know what gets my official okie dokie for a website, I tell them Squarespace. And so I'm telling you the same thing too, partly because they paid for this, but that's a me problem. You go to squarespace.com slash D-I-F-F-S. You get a free trial, okay? When you're ready to launch, squarespace.com slash diffs. You use that offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs. When you sign up for 10% off, shows your support for reconcilable differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Should we move on to uh, follow up? Yes, please do. Okay, I think this, I think this, this will be fast. Uh, I don't know what your interrogation of this will be, but last week we talked about um, best first favorite which is a copyrighted feature of Reconcilable Differences 2023. And Did you see, by the way, the person on Mastodon who said they, they heard the uh, the original incarnation of Best First Favorite? Did you see where they posted that? 
Um, rem- I'm sorry, remind me. I- I'm going to say I didn't see that. I-, I might have seen it, but I don't remember. I'm going to open up my ivory. I'm clicking. Yeah. Julian Cussman uh, said they were looping back through episodes from the start of Rectifs. And he says, I just hit episode blank where BFF originated. Guess what blank is? We are on episode 222 right now. Guess which episode number BFF <laughs> originated on Rectifs? As something I said about suggesting TV shows? Yeah, some like the concept. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. you came up with it. I um, see, I don't have any... The numbers are not meaningful to me, so I'll say probably two years ago, which would be whatever that is. <laughs> you gotta come up with the number. It's uh, 25 episodes a year, let's say. Okay. Um, uh, 132. 19. Episode that's, 19. You know, that's before Zaro Drugs. BFF. I, I have not confirmed this. I will check it for next week. Well, I'm, I'm more than happy. Again, this is another, just if y'all are keeping track, this is another one of those instances of the, the disparity in John and my relationship is, is I'm more than happy to let John glom onto this thing that I've been doing for five years. It's totally fine. How am I glomming onto it? I can I tell you a story? We'll see. You ever heard, you ever heard, this, 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 this anecdote is going to get me in so much trouble, but whatever. Um, are you familiar with the song called Because the Night? I am familiar. <clears throat> Take me now, baby. Here is, uh, was it, did Springsteen write it? But then, uh, uh, what do you call it? 10,000 Maniacs recorded the really good version of it. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. This is my understanding of this. You know what? I'm not going to say it. Yes, I am. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> wrote that song. And was, I think, going like, to give it to Patti Smith to, to record or whatever. Patti Smith changed one line in that song, and she gets a co-writing credit. Which line did she change? Um, let's see. So, um, so um, if you listen to like Springsteen, like the, the amazing The Passaic Show in like '78, you'll I think he, he sings his his original like version of it, which is like because the night belongs to lovers, because the night belongs to us, something like that. She changed like us and love, like because the night belongs to love or because the night belongs to us. She changed one line in the song. And, I, and I'm saying that, that that's your role on BFF, which I'm, I'm more than happy about it. I, I, I'm preserving it in its original form. Mm-hmm. Copyright Merlin Man 2023, but not 2023. More like Copyright Merlin Man 2020, uh, 2016. Also, I don't believe in copyright. I don't believe in copyright. You know, Old Town Road would not exist if Trent Reznor had mm-hmm. not put, put out an album under Creative Commons. Episode 19, Four Toes. Episode the title. Do you remember what that's a reference to? Lost? That's right. Okay. Well, read me the description, please. Make it sexy. Slow. Real this slow. week, John and Merlin talk mm. about the value of exposing yourself to new or uncomfortable ideas before moving on to their main topic, how and when to recommend things to other people. Oh, John, you know what? You son of a bitch. God damn it. Jim, I'm going to curse. F*** you, John. You win this one so goddamn hard. You win. You no, win. No, 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 no. No, but like I did the thing. I did the thing so bad, John. I mean, I knew in the back of my whatever passes for a mind at this point. It's the ping pong ball thing, yeah, we know. The gush pond. I, I knew that somewhere in the back of that, yeah, I know I've been talking about this and actually been like calling it a name. So I don't care. But like just trying the main distinction I wanted to make in what led up to the episode last week is the thing for years is I think in order to be a good friend and share the cognitive load, and guys, please share the cognitive load for your friends. Help people out. When you do that, it's so much better to say this is a good first episode of this TV show rather than just dunning somebody about here's the best episode of this show. Because I think if anything during last week, I think we both may agree 
it's rarely the best episode that should be the first episode. It happens, but you know, I mean, even something as like seemingly uncontroversial at one time as the best episode of New Who is Blink. Um, you know, showrunner Russell T. Davies, writer Stephen Moffat. That was the first thing Stephen Moffat ever had had written and had made into an episode was Blink. But there's all, and a lot of people say that's the best episode of New Who, which is fine. It's, you know, that, that it's okay. But like, there's so many reasons, really, what, even if you, I love that episode. It's got Sally Sparrow, for God's sake. It's such a good episode. But like, there, there's all kinds of reasons I would never recommend that as the f- best episode, let alone the first episode. First of all, it's impossibly Dr. Light. That would be a really weird way to watch Dr. Who. And like, second of all, there are elements of like Doctor Who historical stuff just a little bit that like it would be nice to know before you dive straight into that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, which is why Doctor Who is on our BFF list to the future. And you can always come back to it as long as it's in the doc. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, I was going to. Oh, and so what we were talking about. Uh, wow. And so who was that listener? Was that Julian Cussman, did you say? That's right. I know Julian Cussman from the Long Winners fan community. There you go. And, and by the way, people were also recommending uh, BFFs for this very show, saying what is their best first and favorite. I didn't want to uh, say anything, but I, there was a part of me that kind of thought, I think, I don't know if it's the best, but maybe my favorite would be Preparing the Way. Yeah, that was a, a popular choice. Lots of, lots of Preparing the Ways. Where, where, uh, where is, this on, is this on the Mastodon? Yeah. Oh, crap. Uh, here's, Send me a thread. Here's an, here's an example one from Spencer Cargis. Uh, favorite 16 Ancient Bird. Uh, first is 12 <laughs> Hobbit Tendencies, and uh, best is 97 Invisible Work. That's just just a sampling of somebody's BFF for the show. I Those titles all make me smile, but only in a couple of cases do I have any. <laughs> and most of it's context clues. Like, Ancient Bird is going to be probably one of the early instances. For me so, yeah, no. Yeah. For me so. Me re- <laughs> oh, John! Ugh. I'm not going to uh, curse another, again, Jim. I'm not going to curse, but I reserve the right. Is that was the last one? Another BFF, uh, Greg Rogowski, best and first 102 preparing the way, favorite uh, 12 Hobbit tendencies. Um, okay, so tw- is episode 12, yes, yeah, is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I, you I didn't know, know if it was tendencies. 12 Hobbit, you know, I didn't know if it was 12. One. I'm gonna curse relay slash rd slash 12. I thought you were saying 12 like you were doing some kind of days of Christmas thing. <laughs> the centerpiece oh. of the episode is a lot of talk, number nine. Turn me on, dead man. You ever play it backwards? It says, turn me on, dead man. You ever do that? Does it, though? Cranberry sauce. Um, the centerpiece of the episode is a lot of talk about travel, focused on the myriad reasons. Oh, I used to write less good. On the myriad reasons, ugh, your hosts find it so terribly difficult. Ugh. Observations on helplessness, motion sickness, money, and the titular Hobbit tendencies emerge. Yeah, so I, I, I recognize the reference. It's you talking about being, I mean... Um, homebody, I think it may be too strong of a word, but you like your hobbit hole. You like you like being like uh, whichever that pipe smoking Bilbo is, right? But it's a baggins, he right? He doesn't want to go on an adventure. He doesn't want to go. Hobbits like the hobbits stay at home. They don't go out on adventures. He goes to the Shire, which I guess is where he lives. He goes there on an as needed basis. Like maybe he's going to shoot off some fireworks or something. No, he doesn't. He lives in the Shire. He doesn't go to the Shire. What are you talking about? That's where he and lives. Then, Right. And the, the guy, the guy, the guy who played Richard, Richard the second, that's, he's the, he's gray at first, but he becomes white. How do you become a white? Is it because he dies up on the elevator? What happened? 
And why didn't they just use the eagle? These are all, I was going to say these are all good questions, but they're not really. These are all questions. Baby Thorn, baby Thorn is dying. Baby Thorn is dying. <laughs> you have, you have a, 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 a Merlin Dean man involved yes. that you still haven't gotten to. Yeah. So last week we talked about BFF and, um, and I think we, we <laughs> oh, apparently I'm not allowed to talk about texts, but for reasons I can't identify, somebody we know might have heard that episode. I'm sure you were contacted too. You can talk about texts, but don't send verbatim. Where texts do these the rules world. come from? It's like your pronunciation. How many times have I? How many times have I told you that my personal rule is you don't take one to one personal conversations and send them out to the world without problem? You said to me very specifically. It's I don't know if you had an adjective, but just he's like you're like don't take screenshots of messages and post it. It's not it's the screenshotting that's the problem. It's the fact that I mean, you, you. I think this is a good. It's blanket a safe policy. space. It's a safe. Not, no, you're, you're not right. Just, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing at all. I thought it was okay because it was just one line. I've mm-hmm. taken that to heart with you in particular. Um, but yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I betrayed a confidence because I, I think you're right, and not for everybody. For you, I, I think you're right, and I, I betrayed for a everybody. Confidence. It's a good default, though. I know you think that. You think so many things, but there's got <laughs> to be some scope, John. There's got to be scope. Think. Like, imagine I've got calipers I'm making with my fingers here. And, like, in order to... You have so many opinions about so many things. Are you crushing my head? I'm crushing your head. I'm crushing your head. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> making calipers with your finger. I know what's That's going on. You're, you're in a mood tonight. Huh. Do I sound weird tonight? I think yeah. my setup's screwed up. You sound... sound. I mean, you're a little low volume, but other than that, it's fine. Okay. What are we talking about? Hobbits? You, you still haven't gotten to your follow-up item that you added moments before the show started. Oh. Um... So my follow-up item was we uh, we focused last week in talking about best first and favorite, which I hope is the right order for your thing you invented. Uh, we'll uh, we talked about the flop house, and I I think it was a very apt, very good example. Um, I I had been thinking this after we recorded because because do you remember I sent you? I hope it's okay. I sent you screen grabs of my computer. Uh, I, I sent you. I, I think you saw probably on, on Mastodon or somewhere that I got in. I got had a fun night. Uh, whenever that was last week, prepping show notes, where I was like, okay, I'm going to go in here. And of course, you've done a great job already. But then I wanted to make sure that almost everything we mentioned from the Flophouse was in there. You know what I mean? In the show notes. and Yeah, don't worry. I fixed all those like titles. And so I don't get paid any extra for that, you know? But then on the other hand, you don't get paid extra to do unnecessary things that, that keep your demon dogs at bay. Mm-hmm. You got a gosh upon just nobody can see it. It's muted. It's got the. <clears throat> so, anyway, I says to her, I says, we went through, and did we agree kind of last week that I think at least it could be argued or stipulated, argued that uh, bullet to the head is is for, at least for me for you like it's up there. It could be almost any of them, but it yeah, could be a good it, first it, episode. It's a really good one, and it's a one that we both remember because and it's a good, but also a pretty good first episode by my threading the needle. According codex. to you, I, I pick Bratz as my first. Yeah, right, right, right. Which works for two other reasons. Like it's old, it's the oldest good episode and lays the groundwork. It's not keep... the oldest good episode. There are older good episodes, but I'm... it is a very good oh old episode. Oh my god! Okay. I mean, I really care about which words people choose. Just FYI, you. I'm pretending to be you. I know. I'm, I am really the way you think you are. No, think you're costly. That. You're costly the way you think you are. <laughs> okay. Um. And it was whilst I was putting those together and running through and, oh my God, John, you're so right. Chopin Goatables. 
It's oh, and that guy, I forget his name, but that guy is so funny. The guy who's not Dan or Elliot in that episode. Didn't you find him hilarious? Stuart? No, 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 no. Chopin Gotables is with the guest. Yeah. And he's really funny. He's very he's the one who says, I think you've had enough Chopin Gotables. I think he's the one who says that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I don't, I don't remember who that is. I'm sorry. I forgot to. I, I, I off my head, I was thinking it was Al, Al Madrigal. But anyway, we did that. Okay, so anyway, moving on. So I found myself. Oh, boy, it's for my work. I've got to do it. I found myself listening to a bunch of Flophouse in full and in part, like trying to find timestamps where relevant and make sure I got the quote right and stuff like that. And I found myself, whatever that night, end of the night, that night, I did listen to Stolen for I, what must be the, honestly, no exaggeration, at least the fourth time. I listened to the episode called Stolen all the way through. I'll look up the info on that in a second. Will Hines, by the way, is the Chopin Godable's guest. Do we know him from anything? I well, don't know. I'll look he was up. so funny. Story. I think you've had enough Chopin Gotables. Um, and I, th- I j- <laughs> you know, there's this thing I like to say sometimes. My all-time favorite new song of the day is this, or my all-time favorite new article of the week. Like, I feel so, so very strongly about this. I won't feel that way forever, but for this week, this is the greatest thing I've seen. As of this week, and probably last week, I think the best episode, for now, kind of, provisionally, I think the best episode of the Flophouse might be stolen. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how well do you remember Stolen? You remember it some, right? I remember the uh, trailer voice that they made fun of with the uh, catch in Stolen. Stolen. Um, I'll give you a couple. Let me see if I can find here. I wrote these down a couple. Um, so, Stolen. This is um, Nicholas Cage is a bank robber. Um, Danny Houston. Oh, wait, no, is, it's not the not catch and stolen. It's Nicholas Cage. It's the catch and cage, not the catch and stolen. You're you're doing it with me with your ping pong ball brain. No, they they do it for lots of things, and mm. it, it becomes you're. I'm saying like the tra- in the trailer, the trailer voice. Oscar Wilde says that a cynic is a person who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. Mm-hmm. He's dead now. So is think Mark. about that. You no, know, I think you mean Winston Churchill. And um, you know what? See, now you've made it not fun. Now you've made it a different thing. You broke our little world. No, keep going. Keep going. Uh, Nicholas Cage um, is going to, is he going to rob the diamond place? Uh-oh. No, he's actually going to rob a bank. He and this guy and this Malin, Malin Ackerman and <laughs> T- T- what's his name? Oh, shoot. What's the TV show? Not Hard Target. TV's, what do they keep calling the guy from the TV show? Um, but and it's it is it's okay, here's what it's got. Okay, you first you got you got Danny Houston with the hats. You remember? Danny Houston. I never hat. saw the movie, so I don't. No, know. no, 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 no. But he keeps bringing it up, and then at one point, Dan goes, "Danny Houston is hatless." Repeat, hatless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember MC Ganey? I don't think so. Okay, well, that's the, I'm going to close on MC Ganey. Do you? But like, Elliot does this hilarious, outrageous Nicolas Cage voice. Whereas his Sly Stallone is like so deeply over the top. It's just, it's hilarious because it's so ridiculous. This actually does kind of disarmingly sound a little like Nicolas Cage a little bit. And here's what made me decide to mention it to you tonight is that this this morning my family's getting ready to head out. Mom's going to drop Billy off at school and put stuff together. And and, um, Madeline like heated some food to take to work. And I'm like, ugh. What is that? And she goes, it's chili. <laughs> You're not going to remember this. But then I said, you got to imagine this in the Dan McCoy voice. Oh, that was full of chili. Do you remember MC Ganey's bag of coleslaw and MC Ganey's bag of chili? 
That sounds vaguely familiar, although maybe oh, just because was, you were. Oh, that was full of chili. <laughs> it sounds like a Simpsons line. It could be. Dan is uh, the talking heads and Simpsons are two things that Dan is very, very deeply entrenched in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stand by. I stand by. Anyway, so Stolen's really good. But also, it's got all kinds of good banging bits in it. It's got uh, something that almost becomes a letter song. It's still, I think, relatively early in that. So, you know, and Stuart's like, oh, no song this week. And he goes, no, but I can drag this out for a very long time. And uh, so anyway, Stolen, you guys, if you listen to last week's episode, uh, thank you. Uh, if you're interested in the Flophouse or you've maybe given them a, a little try, maybe check out the episode Stolen. Uh, John, what episode of the Flophouse is Stolen? 124. 124 episode 124 we'll put it into show notes for this and uh whether or not you you're if you if you're old to the flop house i can pretty much guarantee you a good time with your pals if you go and listen to stolen are you okay is there noise or something you're very quiet tonight i mean like you're like you're muting a lot tonight <laughs> there's no noise this is a this is a uh, side effect of using zoom actually i'm kind of surprised i heard you do the bell um because it's got we, some like a crazy compression thing they do noise like uh, noise removal. I like, think uh, we had that on. Well, someone someone would do by Friday. Well, you, you, you talk about it with uh, Alex on on. Uh, you can't hear Friday the harmonica or you can't hear the bell. It's... Oh yeah, no. On, on ATP, Marco has an actual bell and an actual vibra slap, and I can't hear either one of them at all when he uses them anymore because of the noise. Sometimes it's compression, I, but sometimes I think it's filtering, like um, like noise gate. Yeah, not noise gate, but like higher low pass filters i think they're actually like spe- specifically trying to hit some certain range that uh, in my case like a bell happens but to i be did hear your bell to. you hit the bell earlier and i heard it okay let's hear it loud and clear ready yep i heard it hmm. or you think you heard it yeah hey everybody this is reconcilable differences and um i like stuff uh but now we're moving on wait what's next on our list we have something to talk about now this oh, is ostensibly gosh. the main topic for the regular part of the show now. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, Merlin yeah. is not very enthusiastic about, but it is wide ranging. My first question you know, to you is. You know, John. <sighs> I do know. I do know. No, I think you don't. I think you don't. You're like a man in a cape. You just walk around. You're so confident. A man in a cape? You're like Frank Costanza's lawyer, like, you know. Like a Superman cape or like a, like a John no, Roderick like you make cape. me laugh. Like a Jack like the a, Ripper cape, yeah. A Dracula cape, John Roderick cape, Superman cape. Used to be, I could name every kind of cape. <laughs> My mom would say, John Syracuse, you stop, stop naming those naming capes. capes. I used to have, I had a red Superman cape. I had, well, so here's something I had in my childhood. <laughs> Did we, it had a, uh, we had a, a laundry hamper that looked like it had to have been my grandmother's laundry hamper because it was one of those ones that shaped like an extruded <laughs> semicircle and it's like as tall as a little boy. Right. Yeah. Oh it was my like, God, that's so cool. And is wrapped in vinyl, or like a diamond patterned padded vinyl. Uh, anyway. No, I, I can already hamper. imagine it. We we had one of those that well, it sounds different. With the lid we had the, the 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 tufted that tufted look was considered very classy. Yes, yeah, for like middle class people. Yeah. So anyway, we had that laundry hamper, which I think came from my grandparents. But we weren't using it for laundry. It was it was used to hold our costumes. Like there was our costume bin, or we all like dress costume, up stuff. Yeah. Right. And in that costume bin, I had a cape. I had a red Superman cape oh, with man. a little with a little drawstring that you tie around your neck, which is absolutely a choking hazard. Uh I remember that from, uh, and there was also, if there was a football helmet in there, like a kid-sized football helmet. You could uh, do a, a lot with that stuff. Something. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wore that cape a lot, and I did not strangle myself, so. Remember the Mad Men when, uh, I remember, I was telling Billy 
just not really pitching him on Mad Men, but saying at some point it would be you know pretty enjoyable to watch. I think you'd like the immersive world of Mad mm-hmm. Men. It's real good. Real it good. is real good. But I was I was saying like, but the thing is, there's some stuff in that that's so difficult to translate, even if you explain it really well. And the scene when Sally and the brother come in with the dry cleaning bags on their heads, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I remember like I was dying. I thought that was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And if a little kid, a kid or like a young person today saw that, you go, what? what? Like that's okay. They, they don't know what dry cleaning bags are, first of all. Well, what they don't so know is problems. that for the first at least 10 years of my life, I mean, that was a bet noir of every parent. It was one of those things that mm-hmm. like, wait, you line your crib with that? Like before, I think before I was even born, they were like, kids suffocate on this. But it was one of those things like, and again, a joke from Stolen uh, don't get caught in, in a discarded refrigerator thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you remember? Like, it seemed like the scourge of children was going to be refrigerators you can get stuck in. Yep. This is before they ha- before SIDS, right? Before SIDS came and away everything. SIDS, we had laundry, SIDS, we had yeah. laundry bags. We had yeah. we had refrigerators, which would Draw be strings. at the curb. That's why you got to take the doors off the fridge. Otherwise, kids will go right in there and suffocate because the fridges had locks on them. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to have Scott Glenn there to to get you out of the not fridge. Not locks, but latches that you can locks and latches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a terrific album by The Faces. You missed my very good reference to the uh, to the, the the leftovers. Remember that when he gets her out of the refrigerator. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Margaret Qualley's her name. Quality Qualley, I call her. Hey, um, we're we're gonna talk about how would you frame this? The 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 recent kind of renewed, seeming like. I don't know if you call it interest because it's mostly just product announcements. It's interesting to people who sell things, but this idea of like, especially there, there's the AI angle over here that I think is sometimes called AI when what you really mean is generative AI, right? Or GPT. <laughs> oh yeah. What? Really sucked in with that one. What did I get wrong about that? I, I mean, like, I don't like calling it AI and you're like, well, you wouldn't call it AI. I would call it generative and you're like oh no i have to say ai now and so you did <laughs> well, it generative AI. well no and then why do you say pin number because otherwise that's what people expect to hear even though yeah. and so anyway I'll, never mind all i'm trying to say is that like nobody has any idea what's going on with ai they're all idiots people are ignorant it's really stupid but like they call it ai so yeah blah blah over here everything needs some some ai spray on it We've seen that at the the Google thing. Apple's now, oh, they're going to finally uh, get into AI and whatever. But then there's also this uh, angle of the, it seems like the angle of the wearable, right? So there's the AI stuff, there's the wearable stuff, and then there's that thing we kind of started kind of poking with a stick a year ago, which are things like that, like live streams, essentially, right? And live streams are something you've been interested in years of uh, a thought technology that never really happened. And this seems to be, how do you look at, what this topic is or at large. I think we actually did talk about that rewind company, the rewind. Uh, they, they were implementing something that was close to live streams. And you got, you guys talked about it on ATP also a lot. Yeah. Um, and more recently, this is not recent because this company has been in stealth mode for like years in the world's most non stealth stealth mode because everybody knew exactly what they were making because their PowerPoint presentations leaked years ago. Uh, anyway, uh, that company is Humane. Uh, they came out with their Humane AI pin and in a demo video. So now you can finally see what it is, even though we all knew what it was. It is exactly what we thought it would be. Uh, my first question for you is, did you watch the Humane demo video on their website? I didn't, but I read a lot about it. I really highly recommend you watch the video. Yeah, no, I got to tell you, I mean, contra what all my friends say, I'm really enjoying 
that TV show with Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone. But I understand why people think it's terrible and say it's the oh, most that's creepy. The, the curse? Yeah. Um, just, it sounds so cringy, like from the jump. They do so, it sounds like they do a, 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 a uh, Krista was talking about, like a bunch of people I'm talking about it on Mastodon. And I think Marco, everybody. And it just sounds like even at the most generous, people are saying, I forget, maybe Snell said this, but somebody was you saying said that Marco talked about the show. Marco Armin. That cannot I thought, be I possible. Thought, I thought he was talking about this announcement and how it, it undersold. Oh, it. I thought you meant he was talking about the cursed TV show. I'm like, what? He doesn't no, know the no, cursed TV no, I'm show. I'm sorry. I just meant that to pivot to the whole, yes. like, like I'm yes, not always in the mood for something cringy and watching the way this was described to me sounded it really, it sounded, it sounded like worse than a first draft. It is a lot like watching an Ethan Fielder thing. So cringy. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. But like, you know, the stuff of like, apparently they sort of sell themselves a little bit short at first and they say some things, they, they do the, the, the now, the now classic odd. of wrong information that they leave in. Yeah, no, that, that's the least of it. You'll see the stories about that, but just the whole vibe, the whole vibe of the presentation is so weird. Well, you know how I am and I, I love avoiding things. So Mm-hmm. No, but it but what it does intrigues me. I mean, theoretically, all these things are. I have, I, I haven't pre- exactly prepared for this episode, but I didn't realize how much I'd been thinking about this constellation of things. And I actually do have a couple of thoughts, so I'll jump in. That's appropriate. yeah. Just just to summarize the human AI. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, talk about the talk about the the yeah, big launch well, video. Well, so well, the, the rewind thing is a little cylinder that you hang around your neck on a string and it listens to you. And and, and, and rewind is the it. one where you can, I, I bought a subscription to try it, right? Rewind is the one where like, you guys talked about this over several episodes of ATP. It's a thing that you install. It gives you, you flip on accessibility for everything, right? And it's, the idea is that it is basically capturing everything on your screen privately, supposedly, all the time. And then as available, I guess, doing things like all kinds of um, uh, character recognition and stuff, right? So that you have this way to get toward what John has referred to as live streams. Like you can go find where something was on a web page without opening a browser. And it's like basically becomes an index for everything you've ever seen on your computer. Yep, that's the idea. It's like if you think of it as like a turbo powered screen recorder that also uh, translates speech into text and uh, pulls text out of images and saves images. And so... It's supposedly that you could go back in time and see what did I see today on my computer. So that's Rewind's actual product. The Rewind AI pendant is a thing that's not a product yet, but it's from the same company that says, put this little cylinder around your neck. It's got a microphone in it. It will be connected up to some smarts and it will record everything that you say and translate it into text and index it so that even when you're not in front of your computer, because obviously the Rewind product only works when you're on your computer, right? When you're not in front of your computer and you're just walking around, you'll have this little pendant around your neck that will record stuff so that you can say, what did, you know, Jim say to me in the lunch meeting today? And so the, the demo of that is going to be you're at a meeting. Like, it, uh, well, let's forget. It's mostly going to be like overheard conversations on the subway and ordering a coffee. The idea is that there are interactions that you have meeting people. Maybe a classic demo would be you don't have to remember a phone number or email address. Is that the pitch? Yeah. Or like, again, an in-person, you, you have a coffee with somebody and you talk about work stuff and no one took mm-hmm. notes, but you've got your little pendant on. And it works. In that case, it operates like the very popular service Otter. Right. Uh, and then the humane thing is this Stell Star with a bunch of ex Apple people who uh, um, have, you know, again, they've been they've been having the secret product for years that everybody knew what it was. What it is is a little thing. It's like a little thing the size of like half of an iPhone that you clip to your clothing around chest height, and it's got a microphone on it, kind of like the AI pendant thing does. It's got a camera that faces out. It's got a 
a light projector thing that sprays light onto your hand as a sort of a replacement for a screen. <laughs> you put your hand in front of your chest and it sprays a monochrome image onto your hand to see stuff. And basically, uh, this is more like, imagine if you had one of those home assistant cylinders, but shrunk down and stuck on your chest. So now you can talk to it. And when you talk well, to I, it, does, it, I mean, am I, am I wrong or does it, does it basically just look like the thing Picard touches so he can talk to data? It's, it's bigger than that, but like, but it really is like having an That's Amazon Echo put it, though. I mean, or a it Google could be Home. mistaken for like a, a Star Trek brooch. Yeah. And it, it has a cell plan. So wherever you are, when you say something, it sends it out to the cloud and some AI thing on the cloud tries to figure out what you said and do something intelligent and, and it responds back to you either out loud or in an earpiece or whatever. Um, it doesn't have a screen. Uh, and, you know, but, but anyway, you can see how these things are similar, like with technology with some battery powered thing with a microphone and some other sensors that does something vaguely AI related. I think the re rewind one is standalone. If I may, I, th I think one way to really like boil it down is it's a ubiquitous capture device. Sometimes that includes cameras. Sometimes that includes audio, but like, it's not, I mean, you can hold up your hand and shoot a slideshow at it, I guess, but it's not, it's not intended to be, I mean, I guess they do kind of want to replace things like phones uh, is the basic pitch of humane at least. But is it, is it not fair to say that that's not something you're going to be heavily interacting with as a source of previous data? Well, uh, like you said, the humane thing, part of the whole humane pitch, which is so weird, is like, don't we all hate our phones? It's like, mm, I agree. I, I I, I, that's the dumbest. I think whoever <laughs> said that recently on a podcast, it is like the dumbest thing. Like, have you talked to and this really gets at everything I have to say about this, which it seems as simple as who asked for this, although I think there's a, a deeper silliness about a lot of this stuff beyond. It's like, who could ever find a use for this? I mean, I can think of uses for it if it worked well, but like the, part of the it's humane good pitch if you're is a congressman. But and you meet mm -hmm. people all day long. But you, the the security, you guys have talked about this again. Well, that, well that's that's the, that's that's the rewind thing that's recording everybody. Humane can't record everything all the time because the battery life is too bad and it's too complicated. So the humane thing is to what's, the, point what's where, the thing? Okay, so if you were with good faith going to assume this is eighty plus percent the best version of what they've talked about, what's the what's the thing you find yourself doing with this the most during a given day? Yeah, part life? of the pitch seems to be, uh, hey, think of something that you would normally use your phone for. Well, our product lets you do it without using your phone, with the implication being that kind of like television when we were kids, because phones are ubiquitous, they're bad. And so to the degree that we can reduce your phone oh, usage... Just so, so distracting, John. Yeah. Yeah. If, to the degree we can reduce your phone usage by having you use our thing, our thing instead, that is a win, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, but rather than using your phone to do this, how about you just tap your fingers to your little communicator on your chest and say out loud... Uh, you know, what time is the train going to get here? Or tell my wife I'm running a little bit late and kind of like a, a version of Siri that works a little bit better. Our AI thing will understand what you said yes, and do what yes, you yes. asked. Uh, and it will do it out loud or in an earpiece. And guess what? You didn't have to take out your phone and you didn't have to look at the screen. And both of those things are bad. Yeah. Like, the, you know, that like it's right good now, that we stopped if, you from it, doing them. If everything's configured correctly on your iOS device, um, you should be able to say, Something like, tell my husband I'll be home in 20 minutes. Yeah, but you can't ask something like, you know, how many grams of protein are in this handful of nuts? To your humane device. You can, you can do it to your humane. It's oh, in part of the demo. Oh, God. Oh, right? and say, say what happened. That sounds... There was there was the thing of like where the best place is. Oh, it was like see a volcano or an earthquake. Okay, but then the other one, talk talk about the walnut one because this sounds like a really 
Right. An unfortunate mistake. So unlike the rewind thing is more of just a recorder, the humane thing is hooked up to one of those large language models. You can ask it any question you could type into ChatGPT, but with your voice. And it will answer you, right? And also, by the way, because it has a camera on it, you can do things like show the camera something in the real world and then presumably takes a picture of it. So throws that picture up to the large language model, large language model, image search, blah, 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 looks at the image and tries to answer your question. So their example was, let's say you're tracking what you eat and you've got a handful of nuts. Hold the handful of nuts up to your chest camera, which then presumably takes a picture of your handful of nuts and say to the little humane pin, how many grams of protein are in this? And it understands because of the picture it just got and the large language model. What is this? What are they talking <laughs> the about? The human oh. hand contains 18 grams <laughs> exactly. of protein. <laughs> and so some large language model figures out that it's a picture of nuts and counts up how many nuts are in it and tells you uh, that handful of nuts has 15 grams of protein. And it gives you an answer. There's no question. It gives you an answer. Right. And I mean, here's the, with that scenario, you're assuming that it saw the nuts. You're assuming that it recognized that they were nuts. You're assuming that it recognized that they were the right kind. Of the nuts. reason I said it that way, the reason I said it that way is, is that if you all, if all you want is an answer, be careful what you ask the genie, because many answers are not correct. You, you could just ask the person next to you on the subway, how many grams <laughs> of protein are in this? And they'll be like, ah, probably 15. <laughs> And here's the other here's the other thing they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, okay. Then they then they told the pin, okay, I'm gonna eat them. And why would they tell the pin that? So that the so pin that can count how many into your food log. Yeah. Keep track of how many grams of protein you've eaten per day. So that is the promise of the thing. Here, I can touch my chest, but you have to touch it by the way, because it's not always listening, because presumably because the battery life would be bad or it would be a privacy concern. But anyway. That's a lot like my genitals. Right. Uh, and you ask it questions out loud, which you know people love to do in the privacy of their own home, let alone on the subway. They especially love if it didn't hear it. They love repeating it, I find. Because <laughs> it's connected to a, some kind of large language model through a sub, through a T-Mobile network that's not going to work when you're on the train anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, the, pe- uh, people are having huge. a lot of fun yeah. at it because like, it was wrong about the number of grams of protein. It was wrong about the eclipse question. And this is a pre-recorded demo, not live, right. by the way. Well, so they, and like, <laughs> just to underscore that, I mean, they didn't change it or they didn't fix it or whatever, or they didn't just reshoot they it. They didn't bother to check it because it's yeah, the but, like, thing where people just like, assume part, that it's the right. The part that kills people, I think that's not obvious. I don't think people realize the part that's so hilarious and galling is that both of those answers were incorrect, but they were answers. And like this gets to your point, I think, about AI, which is like, well, you know, always be very, you know, credulous about like make, making sure you want, you know, like, you know, don't track ask down. it something you can't check. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Or as I, as I say, I said it again, God, for the second week in a row, I was just screaming today, I'm back to work. Don't ask a Coke machine for relationship advice. Like you might get what you think is an answer, but it's probably not going to be a good answer. Why don't you just get a Coke? That's what the machine is for. That, that to me is like such a summation of like so much of this stuff. From my POV, it's the whole, like, let's deliberately try to make something stupid happen here, which, boy, it's pretty tough, you know, on the internet to find something that's incorrect. But, like, I don't know. It's also it's, the part that I'm trying to get at, though, is, that, like, for them to go, like, hey, isn't that great? Here's where to see the eclipse. Oh, my God. It's captured my almonds title. Um, and in both cases, they were wrong. And they didn't notice. And they were excited anyway. And, and, and then they left it in. And the thing, the thing is, you got to think the reason they left it in is because they're so used to the idea that their product is useful. It responded. If you're an engineer, you're just happy it responded. Right. And why would you check that? Because you have faith that it's right. This is, so this is the, the beauty and the curse of these, uh, these AI connected, network connected 
bundles of sensors that are kind of like partially part of the functionality of a phone, but not a phone, like the Rewind Pendant and the Human AI thing. They're only as good as the things they're connected to. So this that is, little this pendant is be, thing, This is my point, yes. Yeah, that little pendant is only going to be as good as the thing that is answering whatever question you ask it, the thing that is trying to do... And the same reason why we all hate Siri, it's not very good at doing what we want, <laughs> we want it to do, right? It's there. It's in our mm-hmm. phone. We can talk to it. It can give answers, but it's not very good at it. The large language models are better than Siri, but they have strengths and weaknesses. And if you're going to... if You yeah, would like absolutely. it to be like a little like a little person on your chest you can ask to do useful things for you the pendant like the thing this company humane they don't make the thing that does the thing that's like just large language right. technology the entire industry is they make the the microphone so that that's like that's system, like oh, the equivalent know. of a part that they buy that's like an OEM. They take somebody yeah. else's. Oh, it's not. No, they, they did a hardware part of it. That is part of the equation. It has to listen to you. No, you no, know, no, but, no, no. But I mean, no, but I mean, and this is going to get to my rant in a minute. But the fact, like, they, they've made this device. There's some kind of, I don't know, the equivalent. There's development. There's a different layers in the stack. There's probably some kind of an API, I'm guessing, that's been developed for this. But the point is, they make the hardware and the software that runs the device, which seems like the thing that does the thing. But the real thing that does the thing is the thing further in the pipeline that takes what that thing hopefully successfully captured and then figures out what to do with it, right? They don't make the part that figures out what to they do They may it. be making their own large language model, but the point is, are they at the forefront of large language model research and theirs is better than all the other ones we've been using? I bet, I bet you don't get to pick a model in a day. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure that they have some special sauce that goes into that. But the whole point is, like, they're not sell- the, the pitch of the company is not, hey, guess what? We've made something that's better than ChatGPT4. It's yes. like ChatGPT75. And it's so awesome. And by the way, here's a little microphone on your chest that you can talk to it. No, it's like, hey, have you talked to one of these large language models? Well, imagine you're talking to the very best one in the world. Now you can do that through a pin. Yeah. And I'm not particularly excited about that. But as I said on ATP... The idea of taking a bunch of things that already exist and connecting them, so what? Large language models exist. I can go to ChatGPT right now. And so what? A little thing that, that looks like a phone but doesn't have a screen. Those exist. I, I have a phone. Like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about combining the two of them? I think there is something, mm-hmm. can be something to that. In the same way, I, the example I used in ATP was- Oh, a thousand percent. Bra- browsing the but, web but this, and- But this and, ain't it, and, chief. And, you know, and doing it from a phone. Like, a phone, cell, smartphones have been around. Browsing the web has been around. When you combine them, though- it becomes more than just the sum of its parts. And says, so, hey, browsing the web while I'm waiting in line at the supermarket is actually transformative in an interesting way. Or running apps on my phone while, again, in the line at the supermarket. I've run apps before. I've been in the supermarket before. I've had a smartphone before. All those things already exist. Combining them is not going to do anything. Up, oh, actually, combining them does a ton. So I'm not dismissing the idea. And, and like open, but the thing is, like opening flighty, I don't, I've, gratefully, I very rarely fly, but I had flighty and the subscription for the last time I flew somewhere. And it was, you talk about disruptive. What did you call it? Like, like, like GPT-500 or whatever? Like there's like orders of magnitude difference. Flighty, and I'm not just saying this because I like Apple stuff or I like Flighty, but like what Flighty is able to pull off is transformative. The way that, first of all, the design for it is absolutely incredible. It's, it's, it's the first app in a million years that understands there's some things where I want you to bug me about every single thing. And there's other kinds of things where you ought never bug me hardly at all. Right. And then on top of it all, I don't know how they pull this off, but if you're on a plane that has like free messaging, you're able to use flighty while you're on your flight without having to buy internet. So like to me, that's, that is a good example of the thing I want to talk about, which is like, it's, it's not really that there's a paucity of data out there. It's that we 
we need to find better ways. Do we need better ways to capture data? I don't know. If that comes along, that's great. But really, ultimately, I need better ways to find stuff. I need better ways to, I don't want to say organize, but to relate or cross-reference stuff. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, but you know what I'm saying? That they, they, they this seems to imply these devices and these services, at least as they've been pitched so far, seems to be well. I mean, the obvious one is well, you can already do all of those things with your iPhone. There's nothing about this that you can't do with your iPhone. They're like, yeah, but we're trying to get rid of the iPhone, and that's like that's like trying to replace like housing with shoeboxes or something. It just it doesn't even really make sense. But they don't go out and come out and say they're trying to get rid of your iPhone, but they Isn't do the say pitch, it, we, they do say we want you to use it less. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want to use it less. But I mean, the thing everyone is onto here is that, like you mentioned before, like I think having better, more powerful ways to capture stuff is important, uh, modulo all the privacy concerns. And also having more smarts behind, you know, helping you work with that data, whether, you know, right. you, were, you were describing the smarts as, hey, guess what? Apple made a platform called the iPhone that let someone make a, an amazing app called Flighty. That, th those were the enabling technologies for that app to exist. A new type of interface, whether it's a pin or a thing around your neck, you can see how it would fit in there. It's like, oh, well, some things I don't want to take out my phone or I can't take out my phone or some things I don't need to take out my phone because all I have to do is get my little uh, <laughs> AI assistant pin I, I already, me. I have cellular on my Apple Watch Ultra 1. I still am uncomfortable if I'm somewhere without my phone. Just because, just because, I mean, it's not so much the calls and stuff, but like if I need to do something, mm -hmm. like if I'm walking around with just my watch and I get a text about a fraud alert on my bank account, like what am I going to do? Well, I guess you call them on your watch. It's like, no, like I thought this was just going to be a nice walk, but now it's turned into a thing. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like because you don't you don't have enough bandwidth with just like I, mean, I don't mean bandwidth as in network no, no, bandwidth, no, no. but it's, as in it's, like, it's like it's very informational low, bandwidth, low density. Yeah, yeah, like functional bandwidth. I mean, and that's kind of like all, all of these companies, all these tech companies are doing this. And uh, this, you know, Humane and Rewind are at a disadvantage because they don't really have platforms. But even the companies that do, like if you squint and you look at Vision Pro from Apple, yeah, uh, or you, you can like that's a similar type of thing. It's like okay, well different more different better input output devices that are part of the same ecosystem the apple watch the phone the vision pro your mac the mm -hmm, apple mm -hmm. tv everything in your home you can see how it they're slowly slowly lurching towards a a solution that we hope will work together to make your life better in a way that is more powerful than each one what has actually happened to your point about your phone is one of those devices is kicking butt, which is the phone. It does yes. so much stuff. It, it, we have such, you know, it's come su such a, a long way. It's such a great compromise. Well, what you can do just with your Air just with your AirPods, since the AirPods came out, mm -hmm. like what you can do now, I was trying to, I give my, my, my kids old, really, really crappy AirPods. The batteries finally gave up the ghost. And so uh, I, gave, I gave him a previous pair of my AirPods Pro 2. And I was just trying to say, like, look, I know you don't like these demos and things, but like, you might really want to go in. Like, conversation detection is incredible, but I turned it off because sometimes I, I, I don't want conversations to stop. But you know what I mean? But like, the stuff with adaptive sound and all of that stuff, that's, that's just in one product. It, it almost feels like, who was it? Blackberry or Microsoft saying, you know, you don't just walk, one does not just walk into the mm -hmm. cell phone industry. And it's like, well, we're not just doing that we've actually marshaled our forces a lot closer to that than you've probably realized. This is not our first day. 
they have the phone, which is the most important platform, and they can build on top of that. And these other companies don't have. And, and they can develop actual real-world synergies between those different things. And I'm, I mean that not quite in the pharmaceutical or pharmacological sense, but, but in, in the true sense. I just sent you a link to something Dan sent me today during the show. I don't remember this, but it's hilarious. Um, this is an item that was on sale in 1982 called the Seiko TV Watch. And we'll put it into show notes. And it's pretty much, I think it actually looks very cool, especially for 1982. And it's like we were, Dan and I were just talking about the size of Apple Watches and how you get, you so get used to the size of an Ultra, like in a day, where everything else feels like a toy afterward. Now, this is not actually that much bigger than an Apple Watch. You, did you see it? Mm-hmm. The top quarter of this very bezel display is stuff like what you'd get on a pretty standard digital watch, right? Back in the day. Uh, and then there's some, oh boy, look at the modes on this. You know, you've got to push that little concave button to do everything. And then there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little screen. Now, what's neat is you look at this and like my first reaction, like anybody who saw this in an ad in 1982 was like, yeah, boy, that's, it's probably not very fun to watch, but gosh, isn't it neat that that's all you need to watch TV anywhere? And of course, now I've got asterisks just busting out of my head about like, where's it getting the antenna signal from? How are you? What's the, what's the speaker on this thing? And then if you haven't already, um, John, please scroll down a little bit. Yeah, I see it. Did you the scroll diagram. down to see the, the thing that says, oh, you saw the guy in the suit. But mm-hmm. did you see it attached to the thing that says Seiko? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for it to work, you have to attach it to a, a pretty normal size transistor radio with what I guess is, I haven't read this yet what I guess is a data connection. So it's probably utilizing that for sound and I'm guessing might be utilizing it for antenna probably. It's it's a TV tuner, right? And it's just sending the video signal to the watch, I'm sure. How how are you listening to it? You're wearing headphones. See the dude wearing headphones? Yeah, but like what's, what are the headphones attached to? They're attached attached to the the box. It's a TV tuner. Yeah, they're attached to the box, not to the watch. And then you get down to this diagram and you see this guy who um, I'm pretty sure is named either Rick or Brandon. Mm-hmm. And he's in a suit looking great. He's got a camel toe for some reason. But we see, that's actually a really good illustration, but we see where he's got headphones that attach to this, what would you say, John? Bigger than an index card, right? How big is that? Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a little bit bigger than a, a little bit taller than a Walkman. It's maybe the size of, of three iPhone Pro Max. Like, you know what I mean? Like three stacked? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And then this is, <laughs> this is where it gets so good because that's presumably in his inside breast pocket. But then mm-hmm. what's neat is there's another wire coming out of his like transistor radio. See what you do is you run that down the sleeve of your sports coat. It's like a magic trick. Like a magic trick, you know, nothing up my sleeve except for my TV. What? Yes, it's a TV. And it's attached to a cable that goes to a box that then goes to your Walkman style headphones. Now, you put that on the market and, and you say, uh, hey, you should check this out. It's the new Seiko TV watch for 1982. But to use it as a TV, there's kind of a lot more to it. Like there's all the obvious trade-offs immediately. I'm not saying this isn't cool or innovative or whatever, but this is what I, these are the sorts of things that I think about when these new kind of gadgets come along. Is that th- this feels like a very ambitious way to try and do something with less or in an aesthetically very different way, right? We've had calculator watches before, but like, you know, your Apple watch kind of looks, looks and acts a lot cooler. This scenario is kind of like, so Humane is trying to make that watch, but they don't have the thing in the breast pocket. They don't have the, uh, the, the TV tuner. So they've just made <laughs> oh, the that's watch. That's such a good way to, 
that's interesting. At least both of these are Seiko branded. In right. that case, and, and, here's, and here's the thing. Apple has that box inside the inside jacket pocket, but they won't let Humane connect a wire to it, <laughs> right? In no, a way, absolutely. Like basically, not. like you can't integrate. Like, if Apple made one of these things, it would integrate with with the iPhone in such a way that it could function. Well, th- they would get everything that everybody else gets with the API stuff, and especially with just things like shortcuts. But like, I'm I'm really up against it sometimes. I've decided to give things a try. My 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 foray into OmniFocus was too complicated. So I've just been playing around with things and looking at what you can do with shortcuts and that. And buried deep in there, too deep than it should be in their settings, is this web page with all these very cool shortcuts. And you know what one of them is, John, apropos of nothing? As somebody who's familiar with the MPU, you know what one of them is? Is a shortcut that captures your location and creates a new task to like delve further into wherever you just were. Which sounds a lot like what I called the bike log. But you can also do stuff like go, go block out an hour of time or, you know what I mean? All these different things that you can do. Is, but this is where, this is the kind of the larger point I'm trying to make. To hail that, you have to say something like, hey, Dingus, in things, uh, add, a, add a new item called milk or whatever. You need but, to study your spell spellbook a little bit more before you can. Uh, no, but I, I sat there again. with it open in front of me and tried it. And again, this is something where because I'm privileged, I can try that within five minutes. I can try that on so many different devices. I'm not trying to like flex, but like when I'm sitting in the lounge or what John calls a family room, I can talk to my watch. I could talk to my iPhone. I could talk to my iPad Pro. I could talk to my MacBook Pro. Talk to a uh, lizard. I could talk to a lizard. <laughs> and you know what he always says? What's his response? Hmm. Talk to some green onions. You have a lot God, of options for what you can talk to. You did it again. You killed it. You killed it. You've got it in you. You could be doing this all the time. You could be good and funny all the time. Why do you, why do you put your candle you're in trying to say I'm not basket? good and funny all the time? I'm saying you're like, you make me laugh. Is that so bad? <sighs> what do you mean? Like a clown? <laughs> um, what was I saying? You have many things that you can talk to while you try to give this long spell-like incantation to Siri because Apple's integration is so terrible. It's, 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 it's interesting that the thing that keeps coming up again and again for me is reminders. Because reminders are, at least in my opinion, as somebody who actually has used Siri a lot, not trying to like, well, whatever, but like, I know the kinds of stuff that tend to confuse Siri. I know what you've described as internet weather. I, I have a, you know, but I'll tell you, the, the fact it's the same today as it was in 2015 or whenever the Amazon product came out, you still feel like an idiot. Not not like an idiot in a way that like takes a chunk out of you, but you still feel a little bit like bummed. Doesn't it feel efficient work. when it doesn't work. It doesn't. And then you, you if you do it and it didn't go right, you st- again, to go back to that feeling we used to all have in 2015 or whatever it was, is there's this, there's this really conflicting set of like stronger than you'd like to admit emotions. Like if you're being honest with yourself, there's these two competing emotions. One of those emotions is, oh, I, I must have done it wrong. And the other one is, why doesn't this thing work? And they're both true. They're both real. But like, you've got to deal with that. So what? Now you're going to say it again? No, you'll really feel like you lost if you say it again. So with reminders, you say, hey, dingus, remind me to foo the bar in one hour. And it's, it worked. It's so tight. But I can tell you, as somebody who's spent half an hour in the past week Asking things like, hey, Dingus, add something in, in, you know, 
hey, dingus, in things, comma, add something to food the bar, whatever, right? And what's interesting is how often it interprets that as a reminder. Because when you normally, when you say, think about this, what is the verb? Take the verb add. What app is that almost always about with Siri voice? Yeah, they want you to add it to our list and reminders. Mm-hmm. Add to a list of reminders. Like, and at the same time, like, it's so hard to do anything with notes. It's maddening to me that you can't do with more with notes and voice. But, but here's, here's the thing I do with reminders, which is maybe ill-advised, but it confuses the hell out of, forget about speech. Even when you type it, it confuses the hell out of it if you're not careful. Uh, remind me, uh, you know, I, I want a reminder for like uh, 9 p.m. The day mm-hmm. before I have something at 7 a.m. So I say, remind me. Uh, that I have to uh, drive to this place at 7 a.m. tomorrow. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing it knows how to do plus deeply elementary arithmetic. Right. But no, but it's like the thing is when I say remind, you know, remind me or yeah, I, but I, would I, do I remind you with, at that time or do I do the reminder before or are you confused? Exactly. Like, and I'm typing it in and it highlights in blue the tomorrow at seven. It I'm happens like, no, in Fantastical it, too. Like Fantastical, I, sometimes I really wanted to just say to thus and such place, leave that hmm. in the title. I understand why you always think that goes in the location right. line, but it could be carry something to garage and I don't need directions for that. Yeah, but this yeah, this is the the level the level of smarts rad is not great, and all the things we're complaining about obviously are Apple platforms because that's what we're used to. But yeah, that's what we that, use. That is relevant to the point of you know humane's thing, which is they're trying to innovate in this area. Like they say, we could do a better job. Siri sucks. It's annoying. You have to say in things blah blah blah. We can do that better, but we don't have a phone platform, and Apple will not let us integrate with iOS to the degree we would need to to make this good, which is what you're struggling with. Is you like, have like the, the way that now you can go and say what email program or web browser you want or as your even default. Just, even just as such as simple as having the phone be responsive to your input at a moment's notice, without it like would, saying, would oh, you were in as, the back. It would treat it as more than just another Bluetooth device. Yeah. Probably. Oh, sorry, you were in the background. And you're not allowed to run in the background that long, or you're low priority, or you're not like like all the restrictions. It's like that you can't it can't be there, you know, instantaneously ready the second the thing wants to talk to it because it doesn't and it's got to be dude. More. It's got to be fast. It's got to be fast. So you never wonder if the phrase in my house if it got it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I'm not sure Google got it. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like that. That feedback is so important. There's been a performance issue for lots of people in Launch Bar in this recent release. And I guess I, I, th- I thought I knew how much I use Launch Bar and how I use Launch Bar, but apparently I didn't because I'm forever causing things to happen in other apps because Command Space hasn't brought up Launch Bar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a cadence. Like uh, 15 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, I said to you, are you muting a lot tonight, right? Because there's a cadence to how we speak to each other. And if things that don't happen in the, the cadence that we're now kind of, doing and dealing with sometimes it feels really weird if i suddenly made just i was almost silent but you could hear my breathing and i did that for 15 seconds that would be so upsetting because i it would seem like i didn't get it over yeah so you're accidentally typing I, yeah whenever the computer's like you type command space you start typing what you think you're typing the launch bar and really like you're in a text <sighs> message you should see me debugging it i this is one i actually you know what Dude, I'm sorry. I used one. I think I used one of my chits with you this week, right? Where I mentioned that you don't have, you don't have chits, but no, I couldn't really help you. No, but but I tried to try to figure out from the log file what it could be. Core foundation. I, that sounds like programming, but um, <laughs> but but no, it's pretty wild. And I guess on the one hand, kudos to objective development, the makers of Launch Bar, because boy, it is so fast and it's so great. And like, I, the only time I noticed when it wasn't great was when something was wrong. 
you know? And then, but the debugging then was like, I think it might've been mounted volumes index. What do you, do you use Quicksilver, Quicksilver still, right? Yep. Is it, what's your level of potential recommendation to somebody who helped popularize Quicksilver? What's your level of recommendation for a person today? Is it nuts to try it? To try what? Quicksilver? Mm Mm-hmm. I would not recommend it to you. Like I, I thought I used just a tiny corner of the functionality. Quick well, it's, it's, it's interesting. These all started as mostly the same thing, but I have to say based on stuff I see like place to place, uh, I, I don't, I never see anything about Quicksilver at all anymore. Yeah, but no, like it's, it, Alfred it is not, and not developing. Yeah. This Alfred Raycast. Butler and launch bar. Raycast, know, love right? Raycast. Yeah. I, I looked at it. I didn't understand. It's like, it's like, it's like launch bar, but for, programming things. Yeah, I, I guess probably based on your love of launch bar, I would say Alfred would be the one you look at next. Well, I only mentioned because like, for example, I noticed I went to the page and actually, you know, uh, credit to do, 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 do. I'm trying to remember company names. Um, Cultured Code, I think is the name of the company that does things. Kudos to them. Uh, great documentation. Not as good as the greatest documentation in the world, which might be channels, Casey's friend, but um, it's up there. Um and they had this page of like, hey, you want to do stuff? Like, you know, for me, I, it's hard to even describe what I do with LaunchBar because I do so much with LaunchBar. But for example, I have a, what's called a saved search. So that I hit command space, I type GMA. And then I hit space again, I start typing. That searches my Gmail for that string, right? I've got innumerable numbers of these for, for custom searches or for templates or for, you know, filling out looking things up with uh, ISBN numbers. Like I just have innumerable ones of these. And, you know, I think uh, on the website, 43 folders, I think was the first place that I said that Quicksilver at the time was the one where like, if I sit down on a computer that doesn't have Quicksilver, I feel like I've only got like the left half of the keyboard. Like I can probably figure out how to do this, but why wouldn't I just have all the things that I can do with Quicksilver? So, but what's interesting is that all three of those, like Alfred, I think those are the biggies, Alfred Launchbar, Butler, all, all very good, but all you know, sort of different approaches to how you do it. They've really thought about how is this relevant to our topic? It's relevant because the problem is not, for, it has not been a problem for years to know that stuff is somewhere. How you back it up, how you sync it, how you do it. Let's, let's leave that off. Uh, as you say, modulo, <laughs> we'll just leave that off for, for just a minute. But like, how do you get to your stuff? It's really, really a pain in the butt a lot of times. John, John wants the finder window to like operate a certain way. I want Google or like, you know, for example, like I want Safari to have an easy way to share things. They've ruined their share menu and it drives me completely crazy. But then I'll, I'll land on something like the, the things page for how to do stuff with app launchers. And one of them like has like not, you, not what you would call code. But in my case, I can do command, launch bar, you hit space. I think it's space. Oh, not launch bar. What was the other thing? Never mind. Never mind. I, I'm, I'm dragging us down. But then one of them, you can do all these different kinds of things and it's got, you know, callback APIs and, or whatever they're called or, you know, URLs and all that different kind of stuff. But it all gets at this basic thing. Remember for the longest time, we all said the most boring but fascinating problem for a lot of us is what we would then call online storage. Like in the days before Libsyn and podcasts even, like, where do you put your stuff? I would put stuff on my shared account in 1993 and all of my bandwidth for the entire month, just with a couple friends looking at, would be just instantly gone. If I put up a small, like, international mail-sized QuickTime video, gone. The entire month, gone. I basically can't log in anymore. 
And then eventually you get stuff, obviously, later. You get YouTube, you get Libsyn. But remember for the longest time, before Dropbox especially, everybody would say, like, this is such an unsolved problem, but it's it's so boring. It's such a boring problem to solve. It's like, basically, how can I R-sync with the internet or whatever? Like, you remember that feeling there, that that sort of zeitgeist, right? Of like, this is a mm-hmm. huge problem that's boring for a lot, or, or unprofitable for people to solve. Remember that? I do. And all I want to say is, there's another boring problem that's very hard to solve. Um, and it has something to do with user interface, user experience, certainly things like engineering. But I don't, I'm not, I think I've got a lot of information on here. It's not information that's very well assimilated. Something I said to Dan today, I think I told you this morning, I don't know if you saw this, but this morning I started making us a GPT. So this is a thing where you can go to ChatGPT and create a, your personalized GPT. So I put in stuff like, um, I, I made it learn all of our, looked at all of our show notes. I made it look at an export of the Google Doc. Uh, you know, all these different things. I, transcribing was not going well, so I just hand uploaded some transcriptions and created a GPT. So now I've made a chatbot where I can go and, and talk to that thing. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a wacky thing. But my biggest hang up or interest there is to think about, try to have empathy for the machine as I would define it and try to figure out the right way to feed this, what I think would be useful, but then learn what it thinks would be useful in order to make the ultimate, very cool way for me to say things like what's our third longest episode or what was John's, what's the drug John experimented with, right? But that's not a solved problem, like getting to the stuff. I wouldn't call that a boring problem. That's a very exciting problem. (laughs) Unsolved, yes. Yeah, but some the fact that so much of it comes down to UX, not simply UI. And well, the, the UX part of it, like we we wandered into talking about uh, Launch Bar and Quicksilver and everything, and I think that's actually super relevant to this because all the things that we've been describing in this little area are examples of how there was a popular dominant computing platform, in this case the personal computer, that people with interesting ideas could build on top of to extend the functionality of those things to do things that hadn't been thought of by their creators. And just like you said, like using a Mac without one of those launchers after they had been invented felt mm-hmm. lesser, right? And that was an innovation they brought. And that was made possible because the personal computer platform, even Apple's, was open enough for people with ideas like that to be yes. able to integrate deeply into the system. You could go, you could go in, you could put stuff in extensions and we're not, we're not talking about like, you know, uh, you know, uh, that ape, you know, program. Yeah, where you the, do the, the, kernel the Mac thing. OS 10 era, this even, is, right? But, you know, but it was, just, it was just more extensions, restricted, but you could, but you could still and extend. control panels. Extensions yeah. and control panels could add so much functionality. And even I think about something like Adobe Type Manager or Conflict Catcher, which were instrumental to my job. I mean, and so on some days, Conflict Catcher, like, and I had competitors later, but that was such a big part of what I did. And that changed, like, everything the user saw from the time the computer boots up. It changes that experience. Even, even after the classic Mac OS days, when the computer was more locked down, still the personal computer platform, which was still dominant at the time, at the time Mac OS X was introduced, had the ability for third parties to extend it in a way that felt like it was not only part of the system, but became an essential part of the system. And the iPhone and the other dominant like phone platforms have that to a much lesser extent. They've got apps, which are great, and within the realm that apps can innovate, things like Flighty can be a transformative, but once you try to push it farther and say, but I have an idea for a thing that 
you know, is more of a system integration that's going to change the way I leverage the, the power of my phone in the same way that Quicksilver did on my Mac. And that could be a little pin that you talk to that connects to the phone that has it run AI models on the phone's processor or talks over right. the phone cellular. Like, but, but you can't do that kind of integration because the phone platforms, even Android, are so much more locked down than personal computers were. And the platform owners essentially won't allow that innovation unless they're the ones doing it. So Apple can make the Apple Watch that integrates well with the iPhone, but third parties can't make a watch integrates like that. So it humane, sounds like you're saying it's it's not it's not a question of like there's no interest or invention or ingenuity. I don't know what to, what to call it. It's that the most ingenious thing you can come up with is going to run straight up against a wall at a certain point in the stack. Yeah, you're seeing it with with trying to use things. Once it, even an app gets right, a little right, bit right. too big for its britches and wants to be as as you know as good as you know like. The integration that Siri has. Siri is not the the best thing that you can talk to that can answer your questions, but it's the one that's built into the phone, and so we're right. stuck with it. And nothing else can have that kind of integration, and it's so frustrating. There's others. There's others that have tried to build a stack on top of that, and it kind of works, but it is. I, it's an overused phrase, but it is like a very specific kind of Rube Goldberg device where over here is this Rube Goldberg device that's very mature and does a million things and is very reliable, kind of in its way. That part of it's reliable. And over here is a Rube Goldberg device, which is basically like a drinky bird. And when you hit the button, the drinky bird clicks the big machine. That's not really an integration in any way. Yeah. And it, it introduces a lot of, a lot of potential problems to, to how that stuff can go. So I don't know if I made the pitch on this, but that's, I'm not uninterested in all of this stuff, but if I do pull back my, my focal length just a little bit, if I go a little more fisheye on this, I'm more clearly, I have clearer questions in my head about like the kinds of thing your, your uncle and your aunt would ask, which is like, who like needs this? Not as in like, who needs this? But as in like, whose life would be greatly improved by this? And like you said, John, I can think of like a half a dozen cliches of people where this would theoretically be an amazing solution to something in their life. But that if you pursue just a little bit deeper to almost every single usage scenario, for me, this, this was rewind in spades. You say like, who needs this? And like I said, examples could be people like, I guess probably lawyers and Congress people and like business sales people and all that stuff. And it is, you look at that and you go, yeah, that would be kind of cool. But you don't have to go. I mean, I, I want to know what you think of this, John, honestly. I feel like you don't have to go very far at all to immediately hear a big buzzer about almost every use of this. There's one you got to, I mean, we're not going to get into it here because we're not lawyers or whatever, but like, what are the implications of you recording everything? Like, I have to imagine that that's going to see its day in court in any variety of ways. I mean, certainly, I mean, the one that people are going to jump to in the Daily Beast is like people in locker rooms are using humane pendants to see butts or whatever. But there's so much more than that. Just the basic implications of like, think about the way, how about this? I'm just randomly. Do you have any idea how many cops are pulling footage off of people's ring doorbells? Yeah, we talked when we when we talked about the rewind thing on uh, on the ATP. This came up as well, and and really not not just as a thing. Well, I got to close the case, boys. But as like just we're just gonna pull just as a just a routine matter. Of course, we now have access to all your. It's like watching things. a movie in London with CCTV, where you're like, give me the footage from like every single thing mm -hmm. in this area. But like, there's those kinds of implications. But the one for me is like, I go right. I can see myself. I put this. I charge it up. I put it on. It's a beautiful experience. I start talking to it. 
let's even assume out of 100% good faith that this thing is good at hearing and roughly interpreting me and roughly getting it right, I could say things like, what? What would you do? What, what is your hello world? I would say, what's my name? Or uh, what is the address of where I am right now? Um, what time does the closest library close? Those are things a la SIRI that I, that I can think of. But all the other stuff that makes this actually valuable, that's all stuff I can do right now with two different devices that are literally on my body right now. For this to be really new, it's going to have to do something with all that stuff that it's capturing. And that's where I think you hear the biggest buzzer. Like, how do you, what is, what are you, what are you going to do? Okay, you captured your day. Tell me, John, you had a big day today. You met a lot of people. What are you going to do tonight? Do you like open it up and scroll through it? Like, what do you do? Where does that data go? And what can you do with it? All those other stuff aside, all the other stuff aside, let's assume you've got a ton of data. You went, let's think about you go to a conference. You met a ton of people. It's been really loud. Maybe you went out and had some drinks and maybe you, you met, a, met a person you're attracted to. You get back to your room. What do you do? What, what happens with that data at 10 p.m.? They expect you to be able to just tap the thing on your chest and, and say, uh, you know, ask question. What was that uh, person's number again? Or where did she say she was going to be tomorrow? You know, that and that's on like a flash drive in there. Well, so here's the thing. Like I, I described an ATP as this pin is kind of like half of an iPhone without a screen because that's what it has to be. It has to be a little <laughs> a headless iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a little computer. It's got a camera on. It's got, it has to be a little computer and has to run code and it has to have a very tiny secure on code probably. Yeah, microphones and cameras and all that other stuff. But it's not an iPhone to your point about where do you put all this stuff? Right. If, if they were making this, if you were making this like your Apple Watch, where does your Apple Watch put stuff? Well, guess what? It puts it on your phone. Right. And your phone puts it in the cloud. And, but even because- if you said it, you there's like, okay, so there's something now in files slash local or whatever. There's a bunch of stuff. What is that? Is it a big log file? Is it stuff you view through an app? Like how is all of that information? I mean, I understand also, I'm not even getting to, let's say you, okay, how about this? How, the simplest use for me, let's say I could give a fig about transcriptions of what people said or whatever. You know what I want? $800 plus. I'm going to get this Picard communicator that will do one thing for me. And that will track where I've been and what I was doing roughly. And I can talk to it and make notes about where I am. Okay. 10 PM. You're back to your hotel room. What do you open? Is it a map? Yeah. The humane's answer is they have a website because again, they don't have a platform. How is it organized? Like how would all that be organized? And how would I utilize any in of a bu- that? In a bunch of rounded rectangles. That's how it's organized. But is, is, is there like, is there a plan for there to be this insanely great API for it? Uh, no, they just said there's a website. I mean, the reason they use the website is, is because this is crazy. This is like, I mean, oh, it's because they don't have a platform and the web is a platform that nobody owns. So they can have a website, but what they can't have is a phone because Apple has a phone and Google has a phone. And, and, a, and a user experience. And like the thing is, even if you get a TV watch and you get the transistor radio that lets it be an antenna and headphones, it doesn't come with TV shows on it. Well, well that's the <laughs> thing. They don't have the transistor radio. They just have the watch. They have nothing right. to connect it to except for, I guess, their website. Which maybe is like- they should buy Seiko. And maybe this sh- that could be the screen. Um, you know, for the Picard communicator. Yeah, it does make me wonder if, the, I mean, I I do actually kind of take them at their word. They're sort of disdain for the phone and the thought that people should be looking at their screens yet. But it is actually a convenient <laughs> philosophy for a company that knows that they it's can't integrate with a phone. It's very convenient. It's like all these companies that are so green and they get all these different, you know, sort of benefits from it. Do you remember I'm on Buck Rogers in the, I think in the 25th century? You remember um, Tweaky and Dr. Theophilus? Twiggy, wasn't Twiggy? Or was that the model? That was the model from the seventies. Twiggy was the model from the sixties. Yeah, um, but no, Tweak Tweaky with the voice of the great Mel Blanc would carry around the face on a necklace he would wear, and he looked like a penis. 
it looked a lot like a penis. I think he might have been played by the great Billy Barty. And he would he was basically just a the the machine that carries around Dr. Theophilus, which mm-hmm. is a face on a necklace. Yep. That's kind of the prototype in a lot of ways. No, T-W-I-K-I. Sorry, yes, that's tweet. Yep. I did. I tried to make the BD noise before. Erin Gray. You ever mm. notice her? Silver spoons, yeah. Silver spoons. I, I hope she'll be the big spoon. 